Well, again, good morning. Welcome. It's good to be in the Lord's house. As you've been following the progression of the messages and the sermons over the last several weeks, uh, you might be asking yourself if there's any rhyme or reason to uh, what we've been studying, where we have been going. Uh, A number of you might have sensed that there's a development of a theme here and uh, with the sermons. Perhaps you haven't. When a pastor enters a season of topical preaching as we've been in, uh, typically he wants an end game. We usually don't just toss out random thoughts to talk about. A pastor will generally have a purpose for his topics that he wants the congregation to benefit from. Of course, holidays and special occasions are going to bring those uh, those topical sermons, those one-day specific topics, as we experienced last week that Pastor Weiler did such a good job on, Uh, the sanctity of life. So we have those as well. But generally, if a pastor is not progressing through a book of the Bible, which would in itself have a progression of thought due to the divine author who inspired it, uh, then a pastor generally will offer a topical series uh, with a cumulative point. After Christmas, this current series began with restraining the tongue. Uh, It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Uh, We learned it can destroy relationships and harm the church. Then I magnified the importance of not forsaking the assembly of the saints. You need to be devoted to your church whenever practically possible. Uh, Be present. It's very difficult to grow as a community in bits and pieces, scattered bits and pieces. Then two weeks ago, we discussed how essential it is to encourage one another with our verbal words, and display gratitude towards one another. Well, today we are going to talk about Christian courage, the need for courage in the church. Christians must be extremely courageous people, and at Port St. Lucie Bible Church we are, to persevere in faith and win our culture and our community to Christ, we must be willing to step outside of our normal comfort zone and be courageous. That's today's topic. Then next week, we're going to discuss what we receive after displaying, demonstrating that courage. Christian rewards. That will be our topic next week. Eternal rewards are a challenging subject. Like the theology of the church, no one verse describes what that scene is going to be like. So I'll draw in many texts to paint us a broad picture of what the reward seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ, is going to look like. Then finally, we arrive on February 8th. Uh, That's the day of our congregational meeting. I'll present a message on that day uh, about how, in a broad sense, growth occurs. Uh, That would indicate the methodology of a growing church. Scripture supplies some foundational principles uh, on how we can reach and transform our community with the gospel. There exists a gateway to winning our culture, and it's clearly evident, demonstrated both in the Old Testament and the New. It's a door of opportunity that it will require courage to enter through. But we'll find out next week, when we're obedient, that we'll be handsomely rewarded for it by our Savior. So you don't want to miss these next three Sundays, uh, well, today and two more, uh, after which we'll begin an expository series in the Old Testament book of Ruth. 
So concerning, concerning today, we're going to talk about courage, the courage that we need for battle. Now, not weapons of battle. I'm not talking about weapons of battle. You likely already have that down. Most of you are not novices in the faith. You already know that you need to stand firm, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Most of you already know enough doctrine to be effective in witnessing. Consequently, what we all, including myself, can really benefit from are some models of encouragement as we go to enter and venture into our community for Christ. Thankfully, the Bible is plumb full of courageous individuals which we can emulate. Today in Judges chapter 3, verse 31, it is Shamgar. Shamgar was a judge over Israel. If you are not familiar with the judges, these men and one woman, one woman ruled in Israel for about 300 years between the period of the conquests under Joshua and before the inauguration of King Saul. Most were military leaders who also acted as judiciaries to mediate and remedy problems and disputes. The Hebrew term for judges actually means deliverer. God ordained these judges and then divinely empowered them to deliver Israel from the oppression of their enemies. You probably know most, many of them anyhow, Gideon, Deborah, and then Barak. There was the prophet and judge Samuel. Then, of course, who can forget mighty Samson? These were all judges. There are over a dozen of them recorded in Scripture. One today, it's named Shamgar. Now, Shamgar. That's a name that sounds courageous. Someone here ought to name their child Shamgar. Number three, Gerald says, we'll work on Shamgar. He sounds like one of those heroes from World War II. General Shamgar. When I was preparing for this message, one of the first places I looked was my encyclopedia of biblical characters. Do you know what I found out about Shamgar? Nothing. There are a couple feeble paragraphs. We really don't know very much about him personally at all. He was a nobody. There are only two verses that even mention his name in Scripture, here and then once in chapter 5. So we don't know a ton about Shamgar. But we do know quite a lot about the circumstances of his day and concerning the enemy who he was facing. We also know that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correcting and training in righteousness. We need to know about Shamgar. The conditions in Shamgar's day were dire. Circumstances demanded that God raise up a man with courage who could lead and then defend Israel. We know 
also from the Bible that the conquests under Joshua were incomplete. Idolatrous foreigners remain in the land. In fact, many of Israel's enemies remain strong and very resilient. Would you say that about our day? Are the enemies of God who bombard our culture with sex and violence and greed and hatred, are they resilient? They don't just go away. Everywhere you turn, there's an advertisement or a billboard or a robbery or a news story that not only threatens us, but also our children. Bible-believing Christians are consistently being denigrated and marginalized by God's enemies. Their weapons penetrate inside of our homes. They come onto our television sets. They even enter into the church. Some days, life seems hopeless. There appears to be no deliverance. So it was for the people in the day of Shamgar. They had an enemy to the southwest of their territory called the Philistines. The Philistines were not good Christian-type folks. They also were not cream puffs. They were trained fighters. They were genetically big people. If you remember, even up until the day that King David arrived, they had a very big man with a very big mouth, Goliath. These were big people. By comparison, the Israelites, they were small, disorganized, and simple people. They had a really big God. And that big God raised up a man, Shamgar. Now, Shamgar wasn't special. He wasn't a descendant to any line of monarchy. In fact, Shamgar's, Shamgar's daddy didn't come from what we would consider healthy breeding stock. Shamgar's father was named Anath. This is very important because Anath was not a Jewish name. Instead, Shamgar's father Anath was named after a fierce Canaanite goddess of war. So when the Jew would read this scripture and be reminded that they had a deliverer who was the son of Anath, they would have immediately marveled at that detail. What is going on there? Anyone named Anath would have originated from a people who were very proud of their warlike disposition. And they would have undoubtedly fought against the God of Israel, against God's people. That was Shamgar's family. Even the name Shamgar was a foreign name. It wasn't Jewish. Uh, this has ca caused many theologians to come to the conclusion that at most, Shamgar was half Jew. Shamgar was a very unlikely candidate to lead Israel. Shamgar's family members were not card-toting church members. But God can use anybody. He can use anybody. And that includes you here today. Do you remember who John Newton was? John Newton was a hymn writer from the 1700s. He started off in his youth being very rebellious. He ended up getting into shipping. His dad was a captain. And he was renowned for his, his vile words, his uh, insubordination as a sailor. 
He was just a very, very rude individual. In fact, at one point after his conversion, becoming a Christian, John Newton said that, I sinned with a high hand. Then he added later, I made it my study to tempt and seduce others. John Newton was a bad guy. He ended up running slave ships up to England and bringing many slaves. And then he hit a very tumultuous storm. It looked like it was the end. It was one of these moments that many of us have found in our life where he had to make a decision who he was going to serve. He was spared. God spared him and his ship, and he gave his life to Christ as a result of a number of circumstances. Now, he continued for a time in the slave trade. He thought that perhaps he could continue to do this and then mediate it some, be a better demonstration of what it would be like to be a good slave ship captain. He tried to improve the environment that he was in. But it came a point where he just couldn't do it anymore. So he left. Long story short, he ended up being a clergyman and uh, serving the church in England. And what makes this so astounding is the fact you probably remember another man, William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was a member of parliament over there at the time. And it was Wilberforce's desire, his goal, to eliminate the slave trade in England. And he was marginalized. Wilberforce was a minority. He was mocked. He was made fun of. At one point, he decided he was going to give up. You know, I'm just not going to go through this any longer. And his friend William Pitt got together with William Wilberforce, and they went to John Newton. And John Newton then had a talk with Wilberforce, talked about what the circumstances were, what the situation was, what the price is of slavery. He encouraged William Wilberforce to drive on. Without John Newton and the life that he had lived in disobedience and then finally to obedience, William Wilberforce might not have had the strength to drive on. So God can use anybody. He can use anybody to fix a really bad situation. Wouldn't you agree? Well, the situation in Shamgar and, and the, that the Israelites were facing was a bad situation. It was really bad. The judge previous to Shamgar, his name was Ehud, uh, he judged over an 80-year period of Israel, and they had had relative peace during that period. But that completely changed now. Israel was being sacked by bands of raiders. God's people were having their homes looted. Their wife, their wives, and their children were being violated by a sick and violent culture. Later on in the book of Judges, Deborah and Barak wrote a song praising God for how he had finally delivered Israel from these awful circumstances. But that song also recounts the dire conditions that were going on during Shamgar's judgeship. It reads in Judges 5, verse 6, and this is the only other place in the Bible that mentions Shamgar's name. In Judges 5, verse 6, it says, In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, the highways were deserted, and travelers went around by roundabout ways. The peasantry had ceased. They had ceased in Israel, it says. The main highways were deserted. 
You couldn't even get out on the open road because of the bandits. It says people were traveling in roundabout ways. They were off the beaten trails. The text even says that peasantry had effectually ceased. Now, peasantry is rural inhabitant, uh, rural inhabitants and villages. Those are the people that would live out in small villages and work the land and uh, take their goods and sell them at market. And that type of existence had ceased. The villagers had their homes sacked. The ones who survived, for the most part, needed to retreat back into the walled and fortified cities because it was so bad. During the daytime, they might venture out to try and tend some crops or tend some cattle. But then in the evening, again, they would have to retreat back into the city because of all the robbers and all the violence that was in Shamgar's day. It was a demoralizing existence. It wasn't an opportunity to prosper. Society basically had descended into anarchy. Judges 17.6 gives us a broad description of that day. You probably know this verse well. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. There was no functioning prison system. There were no uniform police to protect them. There was theft and murder and idolatry and immorality and prostitution. And the families who feared God were victimized by a violent civilization. It wasn't pretty. So what, may I ask you, is the God of heaven going to do? Shamgar. Shamgar was a simple man. He just wanted to work his blue-collar job from Monday to Friday. He wanted to take his paycheck home, provide for his family. He didn't want to have to go pick a fight. He didn't even carry a sword. Scripture says he carried an ox ox goad. This implies that he was a farmer. He probably grew crops, provided what he had to his family. Then he'd take the, the excess and he'd go to the marketplace and share it with the other people who were in fear. Since he knew how to handle an ox goad, it's very possible that he was a, a good hunter. It wasn't a stretch that he did a lot of hunting and livestock and farming. Over time, Shamgar had obviously grown in favor with the people around him, and he was a God-fearing man's man. You know, I run into a lot of people that I invite to church. I'll grab out a, one of my connection cards and say, you know what, could I, I give you a polite invitation to our church? And most of the time, people accept. Most of the time, they're very gracious. Everyone takes it. And they look at it, and uh, sometimes you can sense that a person is saying, well, you know, I don't know. They've been brainwashed by culture, and they're like, what do they do anyhow over there? Do all those guys get together on Saturday evenings and sing kumbaya? No. Our members get together and hunt alligators. Our men drive four-by-fours. A lot of our women do. They hunt wild hogs and drive diesel trucks and watch NASCAR and play football. That's what I love about Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We've got down-home people 
that are daring, courageous. Cheryl doesn't know it yet, but when the waves get high again in the fall, we're going to learn how to surf. But take a look around. Look at who we are. We're hardworking, resourceful men and women. We're a lot like Shamgar. Shamgar didn't have much. He carried an ox goad. That was an eight-foot-long stick with one end sharpened and some metal hammered around it so he could prod cattle and oxen. By comparison, history and archaeology tell us a lot about the Philistines. They carried swords. They had already developed iron weaponry. Shamgar was outmatched. He was outnumbered. He was outgunned. He should have been able to save Israel. But Shamgar had not only the promise that God was going to be with him, he had what so many women and men of God today need to have. He had courage. He had the courage to stand up and fight for his nation. And over the years, God prepared him through circumstances and then placed Shamgar into a position to rise up and save his culture from the enemies. You, we can imagine the scene. Shamgar would arrive at the marketplace or come back into town where, in behind the walls where everyone is afraid and wondering what they're going to do. And over a very long period of time, you can imagine he heard the cries of desperation. What are we going to do? We can't even leave our homes. Finally, Shamgar, moved by God, inspired them, saying, we're going to go out there and fight. Shamgar told them, we pray to the same God that saved Israel by parting the Red Sea. We serve the same God that raised the walls of Jericho. We pray to the same God that was promised to Adam and Eve that they would have a seed that would become a savior he said, God will save Israel. God will save his people. And I expect that those merchants and dock workers and shop owners and storekeepers looked at the courage of Shamgar with amazement. And it's likely they asked Shamgar, well, how are you going to do it? How are you going to lead us into battle against the mighty Philistines? We don't have iron weapons. We don't have horses and chariots. We don't have trained military or seasoned veterans. Israel didn't even have a standing army at the time. Remember, they just come through 80 years of relative peacetime under Ehud. They didn't have veterans who knew how to fight. They might as well have told Shimgar this. We don't have very much money or a huge facility. We don't have a whole lot of paid staff. We don't have many gifted public speakers and we don't even have a paid parking lot yet. We have so little, Shamgar. How are we going to win? We don't have any weapons. You know what Shamgar did? He raised up that eight-foot stick above his head. He said, I'm going to go with what I got. I'm going to go with what God has given me, and I'm going to go out there and confront the problem. You and I need to do the same thing today. In Port St. Lucie, like Shamgar, 
We'll experience success when we know that it's God who's going to provide the victory through simple things, through simple people. And God will provide that victory because he's already given us a whole lot. He's given us the God of faith who leads us into victory. He's given us the Holy Spirit who convicts and disarms the enemy. He's given us his son who intercedes for us. He's given us prayer where we can comfort one another. He's given us the word of God that teaches us and tells us where to go. All we need is some courage to access it. God's given us a whole lot. All Shamgar had was a stick. But he is the type of man who would courageously stand up and win back his community because of that determination that the, excuse me, the Israelites enthusiastically followed him into battle. We don't know exactly how many years Shamgar judged Israel or how many times he led the soldiers into battle against the Philistines. But we do know that God provided him victory after victory over a long period of time. The scripture tells us that he ended up in the end having killed 600 Philistines with an ox yoke. He had a long season of success. The word of God says what? He too saved Israel. He saved them not by being an army of one, but by the courage to stand up and inspire God's word to come together to face the issues that were at hand. You might, might remember back when we studied Colossians, the Apostle Paul talked about uh, types. He talked about shadows of things that were going to come. Speaking of someone with courage, how about the Apostle Paul? He was stoned and shipwrecked and scourged and you name it. Over years and years and years, he continued to persist. In Lystra, he was carried out of the, out of the city in stone. They thought he was dead. But you know what scripture says happened after his executioners left him? Paul got back up. He went back into the city. Started preaching again. Everywhere he went, he was preaching. All the apostles, all the people of the Old Testament, all the mentors we have. I hear people talk about how, you know, Christianity, you know, it's, it's, it's such a weak type of religion, such a passive type of religion. No action. It's just, you know, kind of humming and praying. Have you read the Bible? I want to tell them. Take a look around. There's a lot of action going on in that book. But back to my point, Paul was telling us that the law was a shadow of the things that were going to come, or it was a reflection of the wonderful things that were going to be experienced through Jesus Christ. The Sabbath was a shadow of the rest that we're going to experience from the law. That rest now, the Sabbath is now experienced in Jesus Christ. He taught us about how the spotless lamb was a shadow of the perfect, sinless, unblemished 
lamb, the lamb of God that was going to die for the sin of the world. These were all shadows of what was going to come. I think we could consider Shamgar a type as well, a shadow. He was a shadow or a reflection of what a courageous people like you and me would look like. We're perfectly suited to win Port St. Lucie to Christ. We are courageous. We are hardworking. We are intelligent people. Some of us are tradesmen and women. We work hard. We love our neighbors. And just like them, we can connect because we know what they're like. They're our type of people. All we need to do is gather enough courage to walk up and talk to them. Talk to our neighbors. Talk to our family. Talk to our friends. It takes a lot of courage. But that's our next step. At Port St. Lucie Bible Church, we look a lot like Shamgar. He was rough and tumble. He was a rancher. But he's willing to put his stick in the hand of God to win the day. He was a visionary. He was an achiever. He was a risk taker. He's a man's man who loved God. Just like us. If Shamgar were alive today and living in Port St. Lucie, I assure you he would attend Port St. Lucie Bible Church. I guarantee it. You know, I know... We look around and sometimes we're wondering, why are we here? Curtis, why are we standing on a sign, with, with holding up signs on a street corner? Why are we handing out gospel tracts? Why are we going door to door? Why are we singing? Why are we worshiping? Why are we in Port St. Lucie of all places? It's because we're perfectly suited to be here. God has us here for an assignment. And it's an assignment to draw other people to Jesus Christ. Tell them about salvation. Regardless of our background or our education or our family history like Shamgar, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what limited resources we have. God has given us all we need to complete the assignment. Well, in the next couple of weeks and months, we're going to talk a little more about exactly what that assignment looks like. We'll have the February 8th meeting. But we've got an assignment. In the meantime, until we meet again, I encourage you to be strong, to be courageous, to preach Christ to your neighbors. Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. God will bless you for it. God bless you all, love you, appreciate you, and uh, hope you all have a wonderful week. Father in heaven, Lord, we are so grateful that uh, your holy word, Lord, has so many wonderful models in it, models of encouragement. Just think of Hebrews 11 and all those people who, who served you, Lord God, as you guided them with your mighty hand. All the people that sacrificed, not even getting to see the land, many of them. Lord, but they entered into your grace. Lord, your abundant grace that is, is present and available to anyone who will repent to be saved, Lord. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for Shamgar, how he had served. 
Lord, we thank you for your wonderful son, Jesus Christ. How he died for people like us. Rough around the edges. Tough people. Family histories, many of us. Lord, thank you. You are so gracious and abundant in loving kindness. Lord, as we depart today, as we seek to honor you, I pray that you encourage us and give us courage. Strengthen us. Lord, go before us. Convict hearts with your spirit of the need to be saved. Convict people of their sin, Lord. And then lead us to them through your divine hand to share the truth about Jesus. What a privilege that is, Lord. Thank you for how you've provided this church to us. Lord, for all that you do, you've given us a whole lot. We praise you for it. In the holy and exalted name of Jesus Christ.